Okay. So, so we're, doing, we're finishing this series on, on the, the shack, and the story is this, there's a guy who's uh, kind of midlife, kind of hit the wall, um, also grew up with a drunk, angry dad, had a lot of issues, unresolved over that. Um, and had his own guilt. Then later in life, he loses his daughter. Uh, she's kidnapped and murdered. So he kind of gets... It's, it's a movie, but it's this, it comes this unthinkable scenario where you get to a spot in life that you just couldn't get past. And a lot of people get stuck in life because life can be really hard, truthfully. No matter what people tell you, no matter what seminars you go to, life can be hard. This is reality, right? So we need help to get unstuck at certain points. And so there comes a part um, in the movie where this guy gets invited to the shack to meet God. And then he shows up this weekend and he meets God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For grins, how many have seen the movie? How many have seen it? All right, so a good number. If you haven't, uh, I think it's still available. And you, you, you may, it may do you some good to, to engross yourself in this story. You may find yourself inside this story. Um, but one of the things that he gets stuck on is the idea of judging and forgiving. And, and this, this line is to this guy who's supposed to forgive this, forgive this evil that's happened to his daughter. And he's starting to get it because he realizes that he's not the judge, that God's the judge. Um, but we like to set ourselves up as the judge, don't we? I mean, you know the verses. I don't have to quote the verses. Jesus said, do not judge lest you be judged. And you know the verses and you can say them. But of course, we put that all in a spiritual category. That's the religious category. But of course, I have to judge. Of course, I'm going to judge. Of course, these people are bad and these people are good. And of course, and, and it's not talking about using discernment or anything like that. It's talking about judging. That you, are you the qualified person to judge someone else? To judge who they are, to judge what they do. And this is important. So we have scales. You know, we put people in buckets. Well, well, well yeah, but the really bad people, of course, they're really bad. And I'm just marginally bad. How many of you are, like, just marginally bad? You're like, I'm not, it's, like, it's just a fraction. It's a really small fraction, actually. Right? But the really bad people are, what, over here somewhere. Now, if you think this isn't true, just think, just think you know, the other day I was, I was clicking through the channels, and then one of the stations has this, they always go to, I don't know what it is, they always have guys in prison, they just follow people around in prisons. 
I don't know what it's called, but you know, I, I anyway, I got fixated on it for like five minutes. And what they what they were doing, they had this guy, and I mean, you know, he's he's murdered people, he stole. I mean, you know, all this kind of thing. But what he was going to do was. He was so mad, he was going to go after the child molesters in the prison. They, and if you know this about the prison system, right? You know, they have their own, what? System of justice, own good and bad, right? So there's a guy that's murdered people for money, and he is going out to take it out on other people, right? He's going to go fix the bad people inside of the prison. How twisted is it that what we do is we just look for someone that we think is what? A little worse than us. I'll just find someone that's a little worse than me. And this will justify my ability to judge them. And what God's trying to do is to get this character in the movie to just give up judging altogether. Oh, it's like such a good pastime. It's so hard to give up. He's like, I'm, I'm trying to get you to give it up altogether. The whole idea. I'm trying to get you to understand that you aren't even qualified to do that. Back up. How many have ever made a bad judgment on someone before? Huh? What happened? You got in too early, Right? You made your assessment too early. You made your proclamation too early. You returned the email too quickly. You put the Facebook post out there, right? And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. First of all, to judge anybody about anything, you have to know absolutely everything about everything. No, I don't. I just need to know a couple of facts. No, you need to know everything. To make any judgment about anyone, you need to know everything about everything. Everything. Well, I just get the basic idea. The basic idea. Okay, the basic idea. Has anyone ever judged you wrongly before? Of course. Same thing. They didn't have what? All the information. They had the basic idea. How does that feel when you're on that end of the basic idea? Not so good. So what God is working with this character on is you're just not qualified. eh, Rejected. You're not qualified for this job. This job is for all-knowing people. How many of you remember when... You follow the story of the cross. Jesus dies on the cross, I think around Luke 23, maybe verse 24, being crucified. And he says, Father, what? Forgive them. Now, I don't know about you. Let let me me just say this. I don't know about you. I, I, I mean... You know, your pastor is no Joel Osteen. You know what I mean? How I many know what I'm talking about? That guy is just like happy, forgives everybody, no one offends. I mean, I, I, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there, right? But the other day, some guy, I, I mean, I'm just telling you, right? Like, I'm driving down the road the other day, and I mean, minding my own business, just, and I get the window down, and these two kids on bikes come by, and have these kids ever done it to you? They get right next to you, and they just yell, scream, just to get you to react. <laughs> 
does this stuff only happen to me or does it really? Maybe it does. But it like makes your heart jump because you're just you're not expecting it. And then they, they go on there and they're laughing and everything and they just why? They don't know me. Why? This is the things I said. Now what I should have done is, oh that's so funny, that's cute, those kids. You know what I did? No, I didn't do that. No, I But for four blocks I plotted how I could. That's the truth. For four blocks, I said, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to sneak around eight blocks down. I'm going to come at them head on. I am. And I'm going to rev the engine, and they're going to think I'm going to cut them in two. I'm going to scare them. I I plotted the route, everything. I didn't do it. But I wanted to. Anybody with me? So... I told you I'm no Joel Osteen, right? Now, look, I... I mean, you're getting crucified. Like, I can't handle two teenagers pulling a stupid prank on me. Oh, it's just me this morning. I realize I'm by my... I know, what's wrong with you? you okay, that's okay. Uh, I, how do you handle being crucified? And here's a key. He says, Father, forgive them for they, they don't know what they're doing. Can I just tell you something that will help us all with the forgiving and the judging and everything? Most people don't know what they're doing. Honestly. Most people are just caught up and swept up in other things. Jesus could see they did. They, he rode into Jerusalem, you remember? And the crowds were, that's Palm Sunday, right? The palms, they're praising and they're celebrating. And oh, he's the best. And, and oh, save us. You know, a few days later, the crowds completely turn and they crucify him, crucify him. Do you know during that whole sequence, there was, a, there was like a political struggle, a power grab between Pontius Pilate and Herod, you know, two political leaders and both want to be in charge. And of course, they didn't like each other. You know, over Jesus, it says they became friends around that scene of the crucifixion. In other words, what was happening? It was just, it was taking over. There, there wasn't any real thinking there wasn't really any information. How I many are with me what I'm saying? When Jesus was crucified, there wasn't like a fair, thorough trial. It was the mob mentality just took over. Here's the genius of Jesus. He can, from the cross, surmise they don't know what they're doing. One of the first and most important things to help us is to know this. Everybody here, everybody here is going, unfortunately, to at some point in your life experience pain from somebody else. That's why in this, later on in the, one of the epistles it talks about, don't be surprised. 
Don't be surprised. But what's the first thing that happens when somebody else causes us pain? We are surprised. Why the heck could this person do that? Right? So do you remember early on when Jesus is getting all these accolades? You read about this in John, in the John's gospel. And it says they were just heaping praise on him because he did a miracle. And, and it said, Jesus said, he didn't entrust himself to men because he knew what was in the heart of a man. Now, I don't know about you, but if people start praising me, patting you on the back, I just, oh, I'll scratch a little. I'm, I just lean into it. How many are with me? People start praising you, you just lean into it. Like, give me a little more, a little lower. Is it true? Well, Jesus knew enough not to lean into this. He knew what was in the heart of a man. So, in other words, Jesus had this ability so he could see people don't always know what they're doing. He kind of, if you will, he excused them. Think about this. The older we get, I think the harder it is to admit this, but think about this. How many times in life have you gone along with the crowd? You went along with the opinion. You went along with... Not because you sat down and you got all the information and you digested it, but because it just got bigger than you. So you got swept into it. Here's the thing. Like Jesus said, people a lot of times, they don't know what they're doing. They think they're doing one thing, but they're doing another. You know, people don't listen. You know that, right? I mean, I have no idea why I do what I do, because people don't listen. No, they don't. Like, what was the sermon about? Uh, Jesus? I think, I think it was about Jesus. It was good. It was really good today. Good. I know what goes on at the restaurant. I know what goes on. So, people, us humans... The other day I was on I was on a ride, you know, amusement park, and and the, the I remember the lady I, I I specifically remember, I specifically remember like moves like this and like that, and then you hear the seatbelt, and when the ride was over, I remember the thing goes and sits down, and the voice comes and says, "Please, uh, if you'll wait till the ride comes to a complete stop, then the doors will open." And then you will be able to release your seatbelt. So, of course, everyone listened intently. <laughs> and what you, know, what, what, you know exactly what happened? As soon as the ride got close to settling down, everybody was going. <laughs> and then the next person and then everybody started panicking like they're not working. She just got done saying, wait till the doors open. And then the doors open and then everybody went. Oh, what? Why? The thing about it. Why is it? Because you have a hard time. This is important. Did people want the information? Did they want the truth about Jesus? No. 
it's easy to judge, right? It's easier to judge than to get the information. And it's even, even easier when everybody else has already started the judging, right? How many know when these getting like fights, you know, in Flint, you know, the kids? Are good. I mean, it was really easy. We had a bunch of big kids up front starting. Yeah, we took it to them in the back. How many? It's a lot more difficult. If there was one person, if it was a one person, not a city, not a not a whole military, but it was one person judging Jesus, just one human being, alone, staring him in the eyes. What do you think would have happened then? Where did it get muddy? It got muddy when it got big. Where do we lose our ability to be discerning in the crowd, in the mob, in the group think? So one of the keys, the whole thing is not to think what everybody else thinks, not to just jump in. Now, I want to read, I want to read a scripture. I don't know if you've, if you've read the Bible, you've You've, you've, of course, read it, but I don't know if you've chewed on it, if you've thought on it, but I've wandered on it and bumped my head into it several times throughout the years. Colossians um, 2, verse 15. Let's uh, we'll put it on the screen. Ready? In this way, he, this is describing Jesus, okay? He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Now, pause there. Everybody look up here for a second. Um, quick, I'm going to come back to that verse. Quick quiz. How, why are you here? Or if you're online, why are you there? Quiz. Ready? I'm here because I have to be. Oh, you're like, kind of, yeah. My, my wife made me. Uh, I'm here because if I don't, God's going to be mad. Uh, what? No, I'm... I'm here to get credit. I'm here to learn something. Liar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm, kidding. I'm here to learn something. I, some of you don't know why you're here. I'm here to just... I got a new outfit and I wanted people to see it. <laughs> if you want to learn something, I'm going to give you four minutes. Ready? Colossians. 2.15. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. So you can probably strike out the word spiritual. Just, you can just strike it out. It doesn't belong there. Go look it up. Sue me if I'm wrong. All right? It, that's a bad translation. NI, or NLT is bad translation. There's better translations. He disarmed the rule. Just put the rulers and authorities. So Jesus is dying. The rulers and authorities are who? Huh? 
the Romans, right? And, and it, was, it would have been his own Jewish ruling elite at that time. There was a religious ruling elite that kind of... So the religious rulers in his day were also his own sort of political rulers of his nation. But his nation was overseen by Rome. So he... This is important. And so sad that they spiritualize everything. They throw in these words that don't need to be there that are poor translations. Because then you go, what? But if you take out the word spiritual... He disarmed, huh? How many are with me? Tim, double-checked my Greek after service. Let me know. Okay. He dis- Have you ever disarmed anybody? Somebody has a gun. Somebody has a weapon. And you take it away from them. Would that be some definition of disarming? How many are with me? Some definition of. He took the weapons away. Now, how many of you saw Jesus taking weapons away from people? Did I miss that part of the movie? I didn't see him taking weapons away from anybody. Did you? I didn't see Jesus taking weapons from anybody. Disarming anybody. By the way, that's why they throw the spiritual word in there, because they don't know what to do with the verse, so they just add stuff. How sad is that? Who is he... It wasn't Jean-Claude Van Damme. What? How many saw The Accountant? I saw that movie. I mean, talk about disarming some people, right? You got to see that movie. All right. Anyway, she's taking, taking weapons away from people. Jesus is, unless I miss, he's not, he doesn't take out. Can you put that verse up again? Rulers and authority takes the arms away. Another verse, another translation says he stripped them. Oh, wait a minute. We've got to read the next line. He what? He shamed them. He shamed them. He shamed them. Do you know what Martin Luther King did in, I think, 1963? I was just re-watching the video. In Birmingham, Alabama, most, in his opinion, the most segregated city at that time in the United States, he what? Shamed them. He shamed them. He said, we're going to march peacefully... We're going to march peacefully. We're not going to fight. We're not going to retaliate. We are not going to do anything except march. We're just going to march, and we're going to march, and we're going to march. And we're not going to... And what, what, and, and what happened? They brought up police dogs, and these dogs started biting children. They brought up fire hoses. And guess what happened? Guess what happened on that day? Everything started to change. He publicly exposed them. He what? Shamed them. He took their power away from them, didn't he? It was that event. You can still watch it. It was that event that turned the tide in American history against segregation. 
It was that event. So when you watch the video, it looks like they're losing. When you see these fire hoses knocking children over, dogs biting them, it looks like they're losing, but what are they doing? They're, they're what? Winning. When you watch the story of the cross, it looks like Jesus is losing, but he's what? He's winning. Colossians 2.15, we'll put it up there one more time. It says, he triumphed, he made a spectacle of them, right? And he triumphed over them by the cross. Oh, look at you guys, change the verse while I was... So savvy in the back, so savvy. So... It looked like Jesus was losing, but he was what? Winning. Leading New Testament scholar in the world just wrote a book on it. I'm, I'm enamored with the book. I've read it three times. Called The Day the Revolution Began. It was like the day that happened, he made a public spectacle of them, and it changed human history. Hmm? Forgiveness looks like weakness. And we live in such a macho culture, don't we? Huh? We live in such a... And so it just looks like, what a shame, pitiful Jesus. I mean, Jesus could never play Clint Eastwood. Huh? But something happened. He changed the tide of human history. What, this is important, what Jesus did, what God invites us to, this is important, is not just good for you and your, your soul. I was just reading today. Psychologists, all major leading psychologists recommend forgiveness. How funny is that? Leading psychologists recommend forgiveness so it doesn't eat away your what? Soul. For two minutes, uh, I'm already over, but let me, for one minute, let me get you to think about not just forgiving your neighbor or forgiving that person that offended you or forgiving this person who hurt you, but let me ask you about taking forgiveness a little wider than maybe you've thought of before. And I think this is where God and Christ takes forgiveness. Certainly, Jesus had to forgive the people that were right next to him. He forgave Peter. He forgave the crowds. He forgave the authority. But he, he says he died for the sins of the world. He, he it was wider. It was bigger. Do you know there are movements to forgive nations of their debt? That doesn't, well, that's not, doesn't bother me. I'm just worried about getting those kids back in the neighborhood. I'm talking about, literally, there are movements to say, 
Maybe the best thing for humanity is if we take a whole nation that's in debt to us, that owes money, and we just forgive the debt. Chris, that's bad. I think telling you that's bad. You can't let people do that. You let them do that. They get away with it. How many? I, already, I can hear your speech. How many of you have ever had to just let something go with a child or a neighbor? You just had to, it got to a point you just had to let it go. If your hand's not up, I mean, there comes a point where you just have to let it go. I'm going to spend the rest of my life collecting that. I don't care what I... See, forgiveness, this is so important. Forgiveness is just like the whole, it's just the whole, it's the whole juice that makes everything flow. What Jesus was telling us was not like, well, you forgive and then God will forgive you. And if you don't, then you... No, he's just talking about that's how it all works. And if you cut off the flow, it doesn't cycle back around. Some of us need to learn how to forgive much wider than just the narrow thing of the person that cut me off in traffic. Although you could start there. So it's like, I gotta forgive a whole political party. I gotta forgive a nation. I gotta forgive a. Why? Because what Jesus took us to was the fork in the road. This is important. And he said, "There's the way of vengeance, and there's the way of forgiveness." This is the fork in the road. If you read Romans twelve, vengeance is mine says God. Vengeance is what? Mine. It's letting God do that stuff. Let me close with this. I couldn't, I couldn't find a rotten, I was going to bring a rotten apple in here, so just imagine how disgusting a rotten apple is, Right? And some of us feel in life like we've gotten some rotten apples. I got a rotten deal. I got a rotten deal with this. I got a rotten deal at work. I got, I got a rotten deal. And everybody's been holding a rotten apple at some point in their life. And thinking, I don't know why I got this. But here's what I want you to think about. You can look at the rotten apple. Or you can think of it as... What? The most amazing potential because inside that rotten apple is packed with what? Seeds for your future. And if you bury that, if you bury that, it's got the power and the potential for life. If you bury it, if you bury it, if you hold on to it, huh? I'm like, display your rotten apples. Look what happened to me, right? I'm not talking about a few weeks or months of sympathy or whatever is okay for all of us. How many know? But if you just, how many put a rotten apple on your mantle? Just display it the rest of your life. Look what happened to me. It starts to stink. People don't want to come over anymore. But if you bury it, ready? If you what? Bury it. Bury it. Jesus said, a seed that falls into the ground comes many. You can have a, you can have an orchard. Hmm? Are you how many hear what I'm saying? You're gonna put it on the mantle or you're gonna bury it? You want a stench or do you want an orchard? 
This is your choice. This is your opportunity. 